Hey, I'm Sheena, former miserable corporate attorney turned full-time calligrapher and creative entrepreneur. I used to feel like I was living my life for other people, and now I am more true to myself than ever. And each week, I'm sharing a short but powerful lesson that I've learned on that journey. So if you're looking for a way to get more creativity and possibility into your life, you're so in the right place. Let's dive right in. Hey everyone, welcome back to The Sheena Show. I think you're going to really love this episode because I wanted it to be super tactical. I know recently I've been doing more episodes about my experiences, kind of mindset, you know, a lot of the sort of larger lessons that I've learned on my creative journey. As this episode is coming out, it's around the beginning of October. Holidays are really right around the corner. And for some of you who are listening, who are maybe new calligraphy business owners, or maybe just creative entrepreneurs or aspiring to sell some of your art, anything like that, you might be interested and you might have some opportunities to sell at a holiday market or a craft fair or a flea market, something like that. A physical space where you can go and set up your goods and you're actually selling and talking to people as they walk by. I wanted to give you some tactical advice on how to succeed if you're planning to do that because I owe a lot of my business success to participating in a pop-up market here in the Los Angeles area. So what I want to do today is tell you about my experience with being a seller at a pop-up market and what it brought to my business and the lessons I learned. And then I'm going to break down some of those lessons into really tactical advice in the areas of setting up your table and your display. Number two, inventory, like, ah, how much product to bring. And number three, pricing and handling money and all that good stuff. And then I'm going to end with just some good overall tips that I want you to know. So if you're interested in hearing all about that, keep listening. Okay. So let me um, tell you a little bit about my experience. When I first started my calligraphy business, I started in January, 2016. And I knew when I started my business that I wanted to participate in unique LA. So unique LA is this amazing pop-up market featuring vendors, all kinds of vendors, mostly small businesses, craftspeople, artists, jewelry makers, just all sorts of um, little independent, you know, food products, just all sorts of makers all coming together in this really hip urban environment for just a couple days, like over a weekend to sell stuff. And it gets thousands of people coming through. I knew I wanted to be a part of that market because this is actually a really great story. I went to that market. I um, had visited that market when I first moved back to Los Angeles in 2011. And I remember just, just walking around and just seeing all these people who were doing something that they love and putting themselves out there and selling things that they had made with their own hands. And I just was so in awe of these people. I was like, whoa, there are so many people out here doing this, just selling all sorts of things. Like I really admire them, but I could never do that is what I was telling myself. Like, oh, no way. I could never do this, but I super admire them. They must be a totally different kind of person, a totally different breed of human being that they're able to do this. 
Okay. That was my thought in 2011. And then fast forward five years, I start my calligraphy business and I remembered my experience going to Unique LA. And I thought to myself, I want to sell at Unique LA. I don't know what this calligraphy business is really going to look like. I know that I want to make greeting cards with swear words on them. And I know that I want to sell at Unique LA. So I did. Unique LA was actually in March of 2016. So I started my business in January of 2016. Almost immediately after I started, I had to decide to put down a lot of money, a lot of money for me at the time to sell at Unique LA. A table at Unique LA, like a single six foot by three foot, just, you know, temporary pop-up foldable table at Unique LA was $800 to sell for two days at Unique LA. You know, that was in 2016. The prices might've changed since then. I don't really know what the prices are for other kinds of fairs all around the country. It, it totally depends, right? On how many people are coming through, what kind of a market it is. The, you know, not all uh, markets and fairs go for $800 for a table, but Unique LA did. So I had to make that decision really early on. Okay. I'm going to put this money down and I have no idea what's going to happen. (laughs) I mean, I remember just spending at least a month just preparing for this fair thinking about how I was going to lay out my table, thinking about how I was going to display my cards, what I was going to bring with me, what I was going to offer, how I was going to price it, how I was going to label everything and, and handle transactions. Just, there was so much that went into it. And I remember really kind of like working on it hard for a long time, but you know, it also gave me like a really concrete and challenging goal to work towards in my first couple months in business. I just kind of buckled down and I was like, okay, I know I need to get these things done in order to be ready for this fair. And so it really was a great way for me to kind of get my business off the ground. And let me tell you, I did that first unique LA market. It was crazy. It was overwhelming. There were so many people. I talked so much. I was so tired at the end of each day. Um, because you know, you know me, I can talk to people and I can turn it on, but I'm, I'm such an introvert. Like I need to recharge after I do that. So it was exhausting. I brought way too much stuff. Um, way too much inventory. I ended up just breaking even and making back. I believe I made like a right about $800 in overall sales, which means I made back my table fee, which actually is not a bad thing. And let me, I'm going to tell you more about that in a little bit, but I just wanted to give you my overall experience. And you know what? I ended up going back and selling at more unique LA markets, probably five or six more markets over the next couple of years. And it was an amazing accelerant to my business growth. It was a great way for me to start out with my business. And it brought me so many benefits. And I'm going to talk more about those a little bit later on. So stay tuned for that. Overall, the time that I put in to each unique LA fair, I mean, it's a lot. It was like four or five hours of driving to the venue and then setting everything up on Friday. And then it was a full eight hours of just being at the fair and selling on Saturday and Sunday, plus driving there to downtown LA and back. And then 
In addition, on Sunday, we had to break everything down and pack everything up and then, you know, exit the building and clear out the building. Um, so that was probably an additional hour. All told, probably at like 24 to 26 hours, you know, I put in just the, the fair part, not even all the hours spent kind of like preparing and getting my table set up, you know, ready and, and all that stuff. You might be thinking that $800 in sales minus $800 in just the table fee, and then I spent 24 hours of my own time there, might not seem worth it, but I'm telling you, I got so much out of it. So if that sounds like something that it kind of still remains interesting to you, I want to give you some like really tactical, practical advice for maybe your own first fair or market. And I'm going to break it down into three areas, setting up your space and a display, inventory, how much to bring and pricing and handling money. Okay. So let's dive into number one. Okay. So setting up your space, I know it can feel super overwhelming when you have not done that before and you don't know where to start. I'm going to go ahead and share a photo of my first space, my first table at Unique LA. Um, head to thesheenashow.com to check out the show notes for this episode and I'll, I'll put a photo in there um, so you can see. But my advice here is keep it simple and clean. Go with a clean design scheme. So for example, I just had a black felt, a big piece of black felt to cover the table and the legs, right? To make a nice kind of clean backdrop for my display. Most of my greeting cards and my prints were just in black and white. So it was just black, white, and then I had raw wood, just kind of plywood, kind of shelves to display my greeting cards on. And then the pops of color, I put in coordinated pops of color with just like my signs. So that was kind of my overall design scheme. The key here is to resist the urge to overcomplicate and throw in everything. I don't know if you've ever been into like a thrift shop or an antique shop and it just, there's just so much stuff everywhere that you kind of don't know where to look. So too much stuff can often equal no stuff if the customer walks by and they're just so overwhelmed and confused by the amount of stuff there is on this table that they like they don't even want to approach <laughs> and start and start looking okay so remember that the eye kind of needs negative space people are walking by in seconds they need to make an impression right of your booth and kind of what you're selling in seconds so keep that in mind and go for like a clean simple design space especially if it's your first time right and then you can kind of see what works okay second tip here, really take advantage, especially if you have a limited, just like a table space, take advantage of the vertical space. Sometimes these fairs will have kind of rules about how high you can go. So you're not, you know, blocking everybody around you, but you know, within those parameters, I had my card stand probably four, three and a half, four feet up off the table, just displaying vertical cards. And then I had another piece of just foam board where I could kind of tape my prints and display them. So make sure to use your vertical space. It makes your booth much more interesting, keeps the eye moving. You can display more and not, and everything isn't just kind of like cluttered on top of the tabletop, right? Next tip here, clear, clear, cohesive signage. You want your signs to be really like make them all in one color. 
I would say if you're just starting out and you want to keep it simple and just so the, the customer knows, okay, they see that color. Maybe it's bright yellow. Okay. That's a price. That's a price. That's a, that's something to pay attention to. So their eye can kind of move around and pick that out. You want prices on everything because people don't like to come up and ask questions, right? I I know I'm like that. When I'm kind of browsing around, I don't really feel like talking unless I have to, right? So if I have to ask for a price uh, from a vendor, most likely I'm just going to kind of skip that table, right? And move on to the next thing. So you want prices to be clear and visible. So people, there are less barriers for people coming to your table and browsing around. Ooh, here's a kind of bonus tip. I brought with me some writing tools just so I can kind of I could change prices or make new signs on the fly if I needed to. You're you're there, right? For the whole time the market is is going on. So it's a good idea to bring just kind of like extra blank, maybe yellow paper so you can make a new sign if you need to, right? Bring Sharpies, pens, stuff like that. And then the final tip here just on, you know, setting up your space. I mentioned it before, but edit edit, 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 and maybe bring in someone, a friend, a spouse, um, a family member, a business friend to just kind of look at your space. I would set it up in advance, right? Just in your home, wherever you can, you know, do a, do a trial run and have them look over it with fresh eyes. And they're probably going to see things that you haven't because you've just been in it for so long. Just looking at everything, tweaking, wondering how, you know, what to add, like you kind of lose perspective. So I had a friend do this and he walked by and was like, oh my God, there's way too much going on here. (laughs) Like, I know that you know what all is on this table, but I, as a customer, I can't even start to make it out. There's just too much stuff. So I ended up having to edit a lot of stuff out and that will probably be the same for you too. You might think that the customers want just more, more options, the more, you know, uh, ways that they can give you money, the better. But no, there is this thing called, damn, I forget the technical term for it, but it's something like choice overload, where if the where if a customer just has too many choices, they, it's just too much for their brain and they just skip it. One like clear example I can think of is from my very first market, I had this idea, ooh, maybe um, I'm selling greeting cards. So maybe I can offer, like if somebody wants to buy a greeting card, write a message in there, address it to someone, and then just hand it to me. And I can mail it you know, for them at just for an additional dollar. I'll bring in some extra money. It'll be convenient for people. So I made a whole sign for that. And let me tell you, nobody chose that option. Nobody. It was too complicated. It was too complicated to explain. Like it wasn't enough of a value add. It just made things way too complicated. So I ended up taking that out and my space was much, much cleaner. So that is my, those are my tips for setting up and your space and your display. Let's move into inventory. Ha. And I know that this was like my biggest freak out pain point when I was doing my first market. It was how much stuff do I bring? I've never done this before. I have no idea how many people are going to purchase from me. What if I run out of stuff? (laughs) What if I bring, you know, this many cards and people just swoop in and buy everything and then I'm left standing there for like a day and a half more with nothing on my table. I don't want that to happen. So guess what I ended up doing? I ended up just bringing way too much stuff. 
way too much. And this really, it, it hurt me in a couple of ways. First, I had to lug all of that over to the actual place and set it all up. But second, I actually had stuff printed and, and manufactured for me, and I just didn't sell nearly as much of it as I thought I would. So my kind of overall advice for you here is try and assume about a one to 2% sales conversion rate. So I know that that can kind of sound like a lot of lingo, but that just means if ever, for every hundred people that come into the market or fair, assume maybe one to 2% you'll actually make a sale to. So for every hundred people that walks in, you'll only sell to one person, maybe two people. So that can kind of give you a, a sense of where to start. You can look at the market um, website. You can ask the market organizer, say like, Hey, how typically how many people do you get coming through here? And then you can make just kind of a rough calculation of, okay, I can expect this many sales. Now, of course, that's just an average, right? It's just a guideline. If you have a spectacular setup with something that just happens to catch people's eye and is of the moment and is so popular, you might do way, way better. If you have a confusing booth with stuff that just kind of isn't as popular, you might do way worse but it helps to at least have like some kind of a rough estimate. So assume a one to 2% sales conversion rate. And then of course, bring a little bit extra, but I would say, especially for your first market, don't go too overboard because it sucks to invest into inventory that you don't end up selling. That's it for inventory. Let's move into the third area, which is just pricing and handling money. When it comes to pricing, I'm not going to go into too, too much detail here because pricing your goods, pricing your services, pricing your work is just, it could be a whole online course all by itself. And it is right. Many people do this, but I just want to, I just say, we'll tell you, consider the type of fair this is, the kind of atmosphere you're going into. When I was selling at Unique LA, it was known as a more kind of hip, you know, younger crowd, chic, artisan, kind of a market. People were willing to pay a little bit more because they knew that everything was handmade by kind of really cool, young, up and coming brands. It was in the middle of downtown LA. It was in this cool loft space. Compare that to if you were selling at a flea market, you know, that happens in a, like in just the local park, People don't have to pay to get in. It happens every Saturday. That's going to draw a very different crowd, right? So consider your market. And then as usual with pricing, just, you know, consider your, the cost of your materials, how much profit you're going to make on each item that you sell, right? Some people I noticed at Unique LA were offering sort of special Unique LA, you know, market discounts or a special bundle deal, like buy this many, get this one free, right? Or buy this many, get a special free gift, something like that. And you could totally do that as well, but just kind of overall consider all the things that you would when you're going into any pricing decision. Let's talk about just briefly about sales tax. In a lot of states within the US, if you are selling at a physical location, you're selling something physical, you will need to collect sales tax. I know it's icky and taxes in general are just like, well, you'd rather not think about it. But my advice here is just to include the sales tax in with your price and make it a nice round number so that you're not having to do that calculation every single time and you're not having to deal with like coins. And then you'll have to just kind of calculate later what sales tax you owe to the state. Speaking of coins, you will want to bring 
a way to process credit card payments and you want to make sure with your market that there's some sort of Wi-Fi available or you have like service on your phone so you can hotspot, right, and get some Wi-Fi. So you want a way to process credit card transactions and you want to bring some change with you so you can actually give change if people are using cash. And just a little bonus tip here, I always wore like a little fanny pack or an apron that I made that where I could store, you know, my phone, my card reader, my cash, you know, so I wasn't, I had it right on me all the time. Just one other quick tip here with pricing. I found at the markets that I participated in that if you add some sort of customization or personalization, you could charge more, right? That kind of thing is just feels more special. So for example, at the holiday versions of the unique LA markets that I participated in, I made customized calligraphy ornaments. So I kind of displayed some ornaments. I gave people, you know, here are some options for how I can write on them. And then people would come and put in an order and pay in advance. And I would spend some time, I would tell them to come back and I would spend some time creating these ornaments and have it ready for them, you know, to pick up. And that I actually made a good chunk of money doing because it feels special. It feels unique and bespoke, right? Like something that people could pay a little bit extra for. Just one thing to note here is you do want to think about the medium that you're using and how much time it will take up and space it will take up, you know, and attention it will take for you to do that. So if, for example, you're doing pointed pen calligraphy, that ink, it takes a while to dry, right? And you need space to put it so it can dry. And then how much time is it going to take you that you're really busy and then you can't kind of um, serve other customers? Bonus tip here is if you can get a friend or a family member or someone to come with you and kind of, you know, be your support for a little while, maybe even during the busiest hours of the market or fair, that's immensely helpful. So someone can kind of be helping customers check out, package up things, answer questions while you're doing you know, your work if you're going to be customizing. So those were just my kind of quick practical tips in those three categories. Hopefully you got a lot of value out of that. Let me leave you with just three extra pieces of advice that I got just from my experience in doing this. One is think about bringing your calligraphy tools right? If you're a calligrapher or whatever your craft is, if you're a jewelry maker, bring your tools, right? If you're a, to the extent you can, right? Maybe if you're a candle maker, you can't necessarily bring your tools, but if you can bring your tools and consider just practicing your craft right there at your table. This is a form of entertainment. People are at these flea markets, at craft fairs, pop-up markets, they're there to be entertained, right? It's something fun for them to do on a weekend. A lot of people are there to shop, right? And get, you know, gifts. But a lot of people come just to browse and to look around and to, you know, see something that they wouldn't necessarily have seen in another place. So I actually found that when I started just practicing calligraphy right there at my table, it would draw people in. And I was just, you know, I was just practicing, like doing drills, writing names. People would be like, ooh, what are you doing there? And, you know, I would just answer like, oh, yeah, I'm just I'm doing some calligraphy. I design all of these cards myself and then digitize them. Feel free to look around. And it would just kind of draw people in. It would give me an excuse to just, you know, talk a little bit and connect with people. But then it would also give me an excuse to kind of go back to what I was doing 
And then the customers felt free to just kind of look around my table without feeling like I was standing over their shoulder, right? And like waiting for them to buy because that's always uncomfortable. So it just had all of these benefits. I remember kids coming up and I would talk to them and write their names for them and then cut out the little piece of paper and give it to them. And that was just a nice gesture. And often the parents would buy something from me just, you know, out of thanks. So yeah, do live calligraphy at your booth. It's an amazing way to just show people that you are the artist. Your stuff is handmade and has value. It opens the door to people coming and talking to you. It gives you something to talk about and it keeps you from getting bored, (laughs) frankly, while you're there. Okay. Piece of advice number two, this is an amazing opportunity to start collecting email addresses. So I did this. I just printed out a simple sign-up sheet on a piece of paper, put it on a clipboard with a pen attached. And I just, you know, whenever somebody would make a purchase, I would say, oh, you know, feel free to sign up for my email list. I'm going to be doing a giveaway at the end of this fair. I'm going to take all of these emails and I'm giving away, I don't know, five greeting cards or a mug or, you know, something. And a lot of times people would be like, oh, okay, yeah, sure. I'll sign up. And it just was a great way, again, to kind of open the conversation, get something, you know, out of people who are going by, you know, and start to build up your own contact list of people who might be interested in what you have to offer. Because this goes straight into my third just piece of general advice here. The point of these markets and fairs, a lot of times is not to make money. So this ties back into the results that I got from the unique LA markets that I did. I told you that a lot of times I would make just kind of break even. I would make my table fare back. I'd say like I did, you know, I think I did, I did six of these. And by the end, you know, I would make, and holidays I would make a little bit more, but I would make, you know, anywhere from 800 to $1,200 in overall sales for the weekend. And remember the table fee was 800 and I had the cost of materials, right? Like my greeting cards cost something to print. The ornaments that I was selling, those cost something. The packaging costs something, right? All the bags that I used, you know, for people buying things that cost something, right? So the purpose, and I'm so, so glad that I realized this early on. I was actually talking to a vendor right next door to me and they were saying, yeah, I'm just hoping to make my table fee back. The point of this isn't actually to like bring in a ton of money. You know what the point is? The point is to get your brand and your name out there. It's to start getting in front of people. It's to make connections, start building relationships. So that is the most valuable thing that I got out of selling at Unique LA was making those connections. It was being able to talk to my customers face-to-face and ask them and see which cards they gravitated towards, which ones were the best sellers. Ask them like, oh, why do you like that one? And hear their reason why. See what people like actually reached out and picked up and touched, what people weren't even interested in at all. It was to learn how to talk about my brand and my products and my process um, and practice that so that I could give, you know, tell people in the future really succinctly. I learned how to talk about my business and my brand in a way that appealed to people. And most importantly, I made connections with people who gave me amazing opportunities. An employee at Disney walked by, saw me and ended up contacting me and asking me to teach a workshop 
to employees at Disney. That was amazing. I had business owners come and want to place a bulk order, you know, so they could give gifts to each of their employees. I ended up making a connection with the founder, Sonia Rasula, the founder of Unique Markets, just by sending her a really heartfelt thank you Christmas card that year saying, I so enjoyed being a seller at Unique LA and I it helped my business so much. And she ended up reaching out to me and hiring me later on to be a live calligrapher at some of her events. And that led to other connections. And it just opened so many doors that I wouldn't have been able to even know about just being in my own little bubble of working in my home studio and just selling, you know, on my Etsy and being on Instagram. I know that was a lot. (laughs) I didn't actually realize that this episode was turning out to be so, so long, but I'm going to keep it because it's just really packed with like juicy information and value from my own experience. I hope what this teaches you If you're about to go out and do your own market, hooray. I hope you got some amazing information out of it. But if you're not quite there, I hope this makes you realize that it's possible. Selling at a local fair, market, pop-up is just one of the many ways that you can put yourself out there and start selling your art or even, you know, testing it out. And there are so many other avenues and ways that you can sell your calligraphy and get yourself out there. I know because I've done a lot of them. So maybe in future episodes, I can continue to share sort of my experience and my lessons from, you know, all the different ways that I have taken my business. But I hope from this one, you get the message. There are so many avenues waiting for you. If you want to go out there and try to sell your art. I know because I've experienced them and I hope that you're starting to get a sense of that possibility too. But the first step, right, is to get good enough at your art that you feel somewhat comfortable selling it. You don't have to feel 100% confident. You're never gonna get there if I know you and if you're anything like me, but you can get to a place where you can actually take the first step, right? That's the part of the Crooked Creative Path that I wanted to share with you today. I hope it inspires you. I hope you got something out of it. Please let me know in uh, my Instagram DMs. I'm at Crooked Calligraphy, Crooked Calligraphy um, on Instagram. I'd love to know if this episode was helpful for you. And if it was, go ahead and share it with a fellow creative who maybe is going into a market too or would get something out of this. Thank you so, so much for tuning in and listening all the way through this longer episode and I will see you next time. Hey, if you're interested in learning calligraphy and you want to do it for free, I have a calligraphy workshop that I created just for you. I know how frustrating it is to buy the wrong tools, to not know how to use them for everything coming out of your pen to look like nonsense. That's why I created this training. It's about an hour long. It shows you exactly what tools to buy, how to prep those tools, how to get started right, and how to continue practicing so that you actually get good at calligraphy. And bonus, it will tell you a little bit more about how to continue working with me if you want to learn calligraphy from me. So that's at freecalligraphyworkshop.com, all one word, freecalligraphyworkshop.com. Hope to see you inside. Oh, you're still here. That's awesome. That means that you like the show, right? Thank you for listening to the end. And I want to ask you a really quick favor. Could you take two seconds right now, literally right now, to just leave a rating on this podcast. And if you're feeling extra generous, write a one sentence review. 
It really helps more people like you to find this show. You are awesome. I'll see you next time.